0: Well, that was really good. Thank y'all for the blessing and all that good stuff. All praise to King Jesus, right? Amen. Amen. We're thankful for you, um, and we want you to uh, heed Robert's announcement about the children's ministry. Heed what he said. I often tell people like, "We need somebody to disciple." I say, "Well," and they ask me who could disciple. Them. I say, "Well, take a take a coin and throw it up in the air, and whoever it hits in the church." There's so many amazing people in this church that could disciple anybody, right? Yes or no? Y'all, come on. Therefore, I am asking some of you amazing people, you can give away some of that treasure you have in you. And this is one thing I do know about the Lord, for sure. The more you give, the more you get. That works. But if you hold on to what God's given you, you know, if you don't give away your, tre- your true treasures and these things that God's put in you, it kind of gets, If everything gets clogged up. Amen. I mean, that's what I found one of the great secrets of spirituality is whatever God gives you, find a way to get it out of you. And so if you want to do that with children, that's a, a huge thing. So amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we have a, oh, let, let's pray for Jim Hill yeah. right quick. The poor guy has gone to Argentina and has run into trouble being, you're not coming into our country. So he got down there, and they're still trying to work it out, but it's terrible. I mean, it's a terrible ride down there. You know, it's an overnight flight. You know, just that itself is kind of disgusting, but (laughs) I hate flying anywhere, but once you're there, you're happy, right? Anyways, he gets there, you know, red tape, uh, and so he may have to come right back. I don't know. Stand up for a minute and pray for Jim and ask the Lord to have mercy on him. Lord, we just pray for mercy for Jim Hill right now. I know he's absolutely beside himself, uh, aggravated and tired and frustrated and, yeah, everything that could be bad is coming at him. But you know what, Lord? You're the king. You're a king over all the nations. And you hold, the Bible says you hold the king's heart in your hand. And we are asking for favor for Jim in the name of Jesus. And just speak to him and refresh him. Give him an anointing, Lord, to deal with this. In Jesus' name. we just thank you for Jim, Lord, and Argentina as a nation. We want to bless Argentina, Lord. We love Argentina. We think they're awesome. They don't ever always do things awesome, but we think that nation is an awesome nation, a beautiful nation. Beautiful people, Lord. Thank you for that nation. And I just pray that somehow you'd work out all this to your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 So, hey, we have a great t- opportunity today. Speaking of nations, to hear from uh, someone in my, my... This is my second favorite nation in the world. My first favorite nation is the United States because that's my where I was born and that's where I, I'm here to to stand in for this nation. But I also love the nation of Israel. How many people love Israel in the nation? Yes, I mean, it's the birthplace of Jesus, right? It's the place where Jesus walked. And it absolutely is going to be the place when he comes back and he, Jesus is returning. Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth, ladies and gentlemen. This, this world is not hopeless because we have a hope in a person who's, all, who's made a way. And he's coming back. He's going to come back in Israel. So we may have to all fly over or get transported, however that works. If I'm alive and he comes back over there, somehow I'm getting there. How about you? I'm going to get there hook or crook. I'm going to be there to see this. But I may be watching it from heaven. That's, that will be fine too. Amen. But we have Pastor Nate Silverman. Now, that ain't proper pronunciation. Come on over here, Nate. He is a pastor in Israel. Everybody give him a big welcome. He's amazing. Uh, he's come here once before. He didn't really uh, preach because of his you know, situation. But... Uh, this is one of the things I really love about this guy. He is the new generation of pastors in Israel that God is raising up now. Because God's raising up another generation of pastors, and he's got a uh, he's got a mighty. He's God is going to really use this guy in a mighty way. I mean, that's when I first met him, I could feel there's this destiny on him for for some things over there in Israel. So we really want to hear what he's got to say. Uh, he'll he'll tell us about his ministry and and the church there, and about really what's going on in the nation. But I'm sure he has a powerful word for us, but no pressure, Nate. So everybody reach your hand out to him. He's family. Everybody say you're family. We love you. There's no pressure. (laughs) Holy Ghost, come on him right now. In the name of Jesus, amen.
1: Amen, amen. Wait, Pastor, since it's Pastor Appreciation Day and treasures, I brought some treasures from Israel. Um, Also, Pastor Becky... uh, If you don't mind coming up here also, I just want to show my appreciation for you guys having me here, guys, before we even get started. So just a few small things. I don't know if you guys um, like date honey. Okay, it's a small one, but um, it's it's some date honey there for you. You guys got to share that right there. But this one, uh, uh, Pastor Becky, you don't need to share this one. This is hand cream from the Dead Sea. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> All right, looks like this one 's going to be next also i don 't know if you have a calendar so that you can tell the time and the date and uh, just mark on your calendar when you 're coming to Israel that flight yeah. <laughs> yeah. and um i don't know I think I gave you last time I gave you some anointing oil it 's been about two years now, yeah. so I think that you you need, you, you need some more some anointing oil hey. and um, this is a hand hand crafted um, it's a hand cut. It says grafted in and it has the verse. Um, it, there located it has a beautiful olive tree. And so you guys can just hang that up in the offices. That's for, that's for you guys. Um, see, I just, I don't know what's happening in the future. I don't know what the future holds. So I just brought in all the gifts that I, that I could possibly. So I have a few more gifts here. This is a, a cup. And I'll explain a little bit more about this cup a little bit later on. You'll, you'll understand when I explain about it. But this is a coffee cup. It has our logo on it. And it says, we are fishers of men. I don't know if you drink coffee. You can put tea, coffee, or just hold your pens in there. And, the, and lastly, guys, I don't, I don't think I gave you this last time. But this is a, a, a Jewish prayer shawl. And so whenever you guys, I, I know you do a lot of uh, bar mitzvahs and weddings sometimes. <laughs> But Absolutely. this is, this is uh, inte- I- I- integral to the um, Jewish society and just to, to Jewish beliefs. And so anytime that we're praying, we put this on. Anytime that we're worshiping God, we put this on. And um, from anytime that there's a birth of a baby, the baby's wrapped in this. Uh, a baby boy will be wrapped in this. And he'll be dedicated. And, of course, circumcision. Um, the bar mitzvah is when the boy gets his first, uh, first one. When the when the man gets married, the father of the bride actually gives his own to the son-in-law. So I got one from my father-in-law. I'll explain a little bit about that later. And so I just wanted to give you this as the authority of this house. So that's just that's just that's your authority and that's, as a priestly blessing. And so that's for you to just carry on. And I just really appreciate you guys. Guys, just give these guys a hand because they are awesome. It is awesome to be in the house today. Amen. To be with family, to have you guys reach out your hands and say, you are family. And I say that back to you guys also. You guys are family. So anytime you guys are in Israel, please do not just swipe up to uh, Haifa or to Jerusalem. Stay a little bit in in Tel Aviv. Come and worship with us. Come and celebrate with us. Come and experience uh, life with us. We'd love to have you. Our ministry is named Dugit. It means a small fishing boat. Because we are called to be fishers of men in the heart of Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv is the city that God put on our hearts. And as I spoke about my father-in-law, he also happens to be my boss. It's true. It's true. I don't know if my wife is in, in, uh, in, in the build in, inside. No, I don't see her here. Um, but my wife is here with my two kids. And, um, before I met my wife, I actually had a boss and that boss is Avi Mizrahi. He's uh, my father-in-law now today. I don't know if some of you know Avi. Avi is awesome. Avi is awesome. He's a powerhouse. You, 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 you think that I come with energy. I mean, this guy is like with energy of a 20 year old. I mean, incredible. And, um, he founded the ministry with the heart of reaching out to all of the Israelis in the Tel Aviv area and around Israel, but really with the heart for Tel Aviv, that's his home, home and birthplace. And so that just started from a small bookstore, it grew into an uh, art gallery, and today it's a coffee shop, therefore the coffee cup. And so you guys are all invited to visit our coffee shop there, where we're um, reaching out to hundreds of Israelis that are coming in for coffee, or for just you know just a little croissant, and hearing the gospel God has opened up so many doors and, and, and during this time of uh, COVID um, just for people to come in and have a little bit of hope, you know. It's been dark everywhere, everywhere and I know that you guys have experienced that here in the states. I know that they've experienced it all over the world and in Israel have experienced it. And so people are coming in for just, you know, a little bit of hope, you know. Maybe it's a, just to get a cup of coffee just to get them through the morning and you know, just we say God God loves you, man. God loves you. How can we pray for you today? And we've had two salvations, two salvations to the glory of God that we've experienced over this past year. And even though that may sound like, you know, well, two salvations, that's awesome for Israel. When you have a population, a population of 9 million and only 20,000 believers in Jesus. That's, let me give it to you in another proportion. That's 0.02%. 0.02% of the people are believers. So every one of those souls is like a million souls elsewhere. And so that's thanks to your prayers and your support. I just wanted to let you guys know that. And that's during COVID when things were getting shut down and open up again and shut down and open up again. And so God has been so faithful during this time. Other things that we're involved in is prayer. Some of you guys have been to our prayer tower, our prayer house We've moved recently in the past uh, two years. So please come and visit us and pray with us. Every now and then we will have a prayer meeting, which we will live stream. So you guys can join us worldwide and we will advertise that. So just please connect it with us so that we can let you guys know when that's happening. And the third thing that we're involved in is um, giving to the needy and to the poor. God opened up so many doors during this time of covid Because all the other organizations, they closed their doors. They said, you know what? I'm sorry, but we can't come face to face with the people. We're going to close our doors in Israel. And we said, we're not going to close our doors. We're going to look for a solution. So we did our own little, I guess like you say, uh, Uber Eats or DoorDash. So we went door to door. At the time, we had about 80 people, 80 families, not 80 people, 80 families that we were feeding monthly. And so what we did is, during that time, we approached the government, the municipality of Tel Aviv, and we said to them, Listen, guys, we really want to grow. We have all this food. We have people that want to give more food and more money for food, but we need people to give it to. And at the time, they were giving us like one or two families more, you know, and it was just very hard. All of a sudden, they dumped on us about another 80 families. Today, we're feeding about 150 families, 150 families to the glory of God. And we started just doing DoorDash, just going door to door to door. Hey, God bless you. Here's your food. Do you need anything else? What are your needs? How can we pray for you? And that's all we did. No, I don't need anything. Don't need any prayer. But guess what? After two times of doing that, people started asking for prayer. People started saying, you know what? I I need prayer in my life for this, this, and this. I don't believe in Yeshua. I don't believe in God. But I believe in your prayers. (laughs) okay so if you can pray for me and we pray for people guess what two people afterwards when we were able to open our doors they came back to us and they said listen we want to hear more about this messiah we want to hear more about this jesus and they came to faith and were baptized we have two more salvations that came because of that in the last year we're up to four right we're up to four god has been so faithful um the the fourth thing that Dugit has been so faithful is in supporting local congregations and in starting up church plants. And one of the, the first church plants that Dugit started was a congregation called Adonai Roi, which is, means the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd from Psalm 23. And that was the first congregation that um, Avi and Chaya, they pastored over the past 25 years. And last year, Uh, last year in the middle of COVID, we had about a four-week breather where they opened the doors of the building. We're renting a building. And so the the building said, listen, you guys can come back into the building and and because we don't have our own church building. And so when you rent from a place, they say the doors are closed. You got to go find somewhere else. And so they opened the doors for about four weeks. We didn't know it at the time. Avi says, it's on my heart and on Haya's heart. We want to Um, Bless you and Sarah. Sarah's my wife, and we want you guys to take on the congregation. You're going to become the senior pastors of the congregation. I said, Avi, I think you're making a big mistake. One, because I'm not ready. He says, well, because of that, you are ready. I still don't agree with him. And then the second thing he says, right now, there's an opening. There's a time right now. So I feel it on my heart to pray, to pray, lay lay our hands on you. We invited all the elders of the land. They came there. It was about 100 people came in, and they laid hands on us and blessed us. And from then on, um, we became the senior leaders. And the day after, I thought, God, you know, this is crazy. This is really crazy. At the craziest time in human history— and right now we're celebrating and, 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 and you've made us pastors of this congregation. And praise be to God of his faithfulness, of using whatever means and, and little things that we did. Whether it was you know, just plugging in a, a little uh, camera to a computer and saying, okay, we're going to do a live stream so that we could get the word out. And God used that live stream. God used that live stream and used the means that we had in order to reach people that were unreached, that we never could get them into the congregation. You know, you could pull, pull a person, he would be dra- dragged in, kicking and screaming, and they'd probably run out the minute you let go. But the minute you sent him a link and said, hey, check this out, check this out, guess what? Now they're coming to the congregation without actually being inside the building Because, you know, congregation is not the building. We are the congregation. We are the the people. And so he would get to experience, he or she would get to experience, and people started asking us questions. All of a sudden, I get random uh, messages. Hey, can you explain this, what you were talking about this past week? Can you explain this verse to me? And we experienced two more salvations. Glory to God. Glory to God. I say all this. Not to say of what we have done, but rather to say to you what we have been honored to experience, honored to experience with God doing his awesome power and work in our lives through us and in us. It is incredible what he is doing in Israel today. I'm sure you get a lot of the bad news, a lot of the bad news. And I talked about this last time, but I just wanted to share, start out with just a little bit of sharing some good news with you guys Especially at this time when it's, it's difficult. It really is difficult. It's not easy. It hasn't been an easy 20 months. And so I just want to tell you guys that we are also with you guys. I know that America has needed a lot of prayer. A lot of prayer over this time. And I know that Israel has needed a lot of prayer. So I just am so grateful to really have family on the other side of the ocean that is praying for us. But I want you guys to know also that we've been praying for you as a nation. You, we've been praying for you as a people. And that God would shine His mercy and His favor on this nation, Amen. So God did put a message on my heart, something that um, I was like, you know what, God, that's interesting. I guess I'll, I guess I'll share that, I'll share that with them. Um, but I do know this, and I start, I start out all my messages like this: two things. I, I know that God has me here for a reason, and I don't know. Who, who that reason is I know that there's one or maybe two people but if it's one person that needed to hear this this morning that's why I'm here for and uh, I know that God sent me and the second thing I want to tell you and I don't say this um, for any other reason just so you understand where I'm coming from when I give this message about a month and a half ago on October 3rd uh, my daddy passed away Um, yeah he's right now with the Lord praise the Lord but it still hurts. It still hurts. It's painful. It's a loss, and so if I break up when I'm reading some of the verses, uh, so because some of these verses they, they hit really they re- hit really close to home for me. I'm like God. I I don't know if I can I can do you no. Know, these are the verses for today. So these are the verses for today. But if I start breaking up, guys, you know, just go out get some popcorn, come back in. We'll continue after these messages. So I'm I'm a little bit more. Try to be a little bit organized this morning. I know that I only have a few, few minutes, so I'm going to put a timer on for myself, because I do have a tendency, um, as as do most pastors. I don't know, to overtalk, and I rather I rather God do the talking and I'll do the listening. <laughs> so Father God, I just looked at this time together. And I just give myself over to you, Father, that it would be your words that we hear this morning, that you would open our hearts and our ears, that we would receive from you this morning what you have for us in the name of our Messiah. Amen. My message is titled. The struggle is real. And from the reactions that I'm getting, I understand that you understand some of us go through struggles in life some of us will say life is a struggle right I disagree with that statement because I I believe that life is made up of struggles that we come in and we're victorious and we come out of them and then we go on to the next struggle and we go in but I don't believe life as a whole is a struggle I think that's too broad that thing is made up of struggles. Some of us struggle to get out of bed in the morning. Some of us, it's, it's legitimate. That alarm will go off. We'll set about 10 alarms, right? And still, after the last alarm, we'll stay in bed for another five minutes, which ends up becoming 30. Some of us struggle to put on matching clothes or matching socks. Some of us will struggle with doing simple math problems. Some of us will struggle with our memory in remembering birthdays, or maybe even anniversaries. I believe that's the last time that we ever struggle with that, if you know what I mean. Some of us struggle with maybe more serious struggles. Maybe there's more fear. We struggle with fear. Maybe some of us are struggling with beliefs or feelings of unworthiness of people or of God himself. Maybe some of us struggle with our identity. Maybe some of us are struggling right now with uh, addictions, whether it's things we ingest or see or we do to fill a gap or a hole. But we all struggle. There's not one person in this room, in this nation or in this world that has not experienced struggles, plural, at some time in their life with something or someone and there's a guy in the Bible that he struggled. There's a few people in the Bible that struggled. But I'm specifically talking about a guy named Yaakov. You know Yaakov? You know Yaakov? Okay, I'll, I'll translate that for you. That's Jacob. Jacob. And this week, this week, around uh, Israel and uh, in the, Jewish, um, in the Jewish synagogues, yesterday they read, they read a Torah portion. That was a Torah is the five books of Moses. It's divided up into all the weeks of the, of the year, the Jewish year. And so around the last day of Sukkot, the Feast of Booths, we roll up the Torah scroll all the way back to the beginning and start with Genesis 1. Well, this week they're in Genesis 32. And so if you don't mind start turning with me to Genesis 32, you can read along with me. I'm going to be turning with you also. Some of you guys have it on your iPhones, your smartphones, and some of you guys brought in your, your actual physical Bibles. I love that. Bring in your physical Bibles also. I mean, these smartphones are great until they break. So just remember that. I just also want to encourage also all of you right now, especially in these times, get yourself a physical Bible. Seriously. Get a couple of them. Give it out to Friends. That's just something that God put on my heart to, to remind you guys. Just go out there, get yourself a Bible. I think it's about $10. You don't have that money, then come to pastor. I know the pastor will give you a, a, a Bible. <laughs> Genesis 32. And I'm just going to give a background story of what's happening here. Jacob, well, he, he wasn't so nice to his brother, if I remind you. right? He had stolen his birthright. That was God's will. That was God's plan. But Esau looked at it in a very bad way. He said, you know what? You lied to me. You stole from me. You did all these bad things and basically sent out a warrant for his, if any time I'm going to see you again, just know to me that you are dead. Literally, I will kill you and all your flocks and all your wives and whoever else I see with you at that time. And so Jacob hears that Esau is on his way to see him at this time. And he knows that there's about 400 strong men with him along along with Esau and all his flocks and everybody. And so Jacob is very cunning. He's very smart. He divides up his flocks. He divides up everything. And he starts sending gifts to Esau ahead of him. He starts sending, you know, lambs. And he starts sending um, cows and bulls. And basically he sends all this Uh, All these riches uh, across Esau. And he doesn't get anything back. Not, you know, a phone call. Not a text message. There's not even a Facebook, you know, hey, I'm on my way to see my bro Jacob. Nothing. There's just him sending more and more gifts. And so I want you to put yourself in Jacob's situation at this time. Jacob is now freaking out for his life. He's now saying, you know what? We're all going to die. This is it. This is the end of Jacob. This is the end of the, the legacy. And so now he starts crying out to God. God, I just want to remind you, you promised me. Actually, you didn't even promise me. You promised my forefathers that there's going to be a great nation. In fact, he reminds God three times. There's going to be a great nation born for me. Now, I don't know if he was reminding God or if he was trying to remind himself of God's faithfulness. Whatever it was, that was his prayer. He's like, listen, you promised you're going to bless me. You promised that we were going to be a great nation. You promised this. Now, this can't happen, God, if I'm dead. Now, he's telling God this. He's telling God that, you know, this, this can't happen. You think God is up there in the heavens saying, wow, Jacob, you know what? You're right. I can't believe it. How did I miss this? All right. How many times when we, when we go into a struggle, when we go into a struggle, we say, God, you know, you just don't understand. You just don't get what I'm going through. You just don't, you don't understand. You, and you think God is saying to himself, "Wow, well, you know what? Thanks for that pointer. You know, that's just really, that helps me work out things here on this earth with your life. And so verse 22, it reads this, Genesis 32, verse 22 reads, During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, his 11 sons, and crossed over the Yabok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his sessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. I'm just going to stop there for a second. A lot of times when we come across a struggle... When we we enter a struggle, we enter it alone, or at least with the mindset that we are alone. And that is the most dangerous thing that we can ever do. Remember, I started out saying that, and, and pastor started out saying that we're family. That's not just something that pastor says. That's not just something that I say. We say this as a constant reminder that we are not alone in our struggles. Jacob takes his family, pushes them to the other side of the river and walks off alone. He is left alone. No family, no no nobody to surround him. He didn't even take he didn't even take somebody, you know, like a, a, a like a wingman like like a like a friend. Like, hey, man, you know, I'm going through a tough time. I'm just about to die at the hand of my own brother. I don't know if he got all my gifts. Nothing. He goes off by himself. And his family is across the river. I want you guys to understand this, how dangerous it is. And it's at these, these points in our life when we decide, you know what? I am the only one that knows what I'm going through. I'm the only one that understands what I'm going through and start separating ourselves is exactly when the enemy is like, ah, it's perfect time for me to come in. It's the perfect time. And that's exactly what the enemy is looking for is our. Mindset of being alone, because a lot of times we can be with people and yet feel alone. We can be in the presence of other people. We can even be right now in the presence of God, and yet we can convince ourselves right up here at the gateways, this is your guard of your soul. We can convince ourselves up here that we are alone. And over the past 20 months, I have seen more, and I'm sure that you guys have seen more than ever people convincing themselves that they're alone. And it's not that hard to do when you're in quarantine. It's not that hard to do when you've been separated from loved ones for so long. But the word of the Lord is, "You are not alone. Lo, I am with you even to the end of days. Even to the end of days." We'll continue reading. Then this left Jacob all alone. Verse twenty-four. It left Jacob all alone in the camp, and the man came, a man came and wrestled with him. Another word for that is struggled with him. Until the dawn began to break. Now, I don't know how many of you guys struggled or wrestled with another human being. But after about 20 minutes, you're tired. (laughs) No, I'm serious, guys. See, I, I grew up in the Israeli army. I was raised in the Israeli army. That means that I had seven years that I was serving in the Israeli army. And every now and then they would say, all right, guys, it's time for uh, Krav Maga, which is basically our karate kind of, um, just kind of a survival kind of karate. Basically, you take anything and everything and you eliminate your opponent. And they would put us up against each other. First, they would make us, they would tire out our bodies by making us run laps around the the place with heavy, heavy things on. And then they would uh, tire us out even more by, you know, using the punching bags. And then they would make us do push-ups. And then they would say, now it's time for sparring. And by that time, you had been to the restroom. You had emptied the contents of whatever you had eaten for lunch that day a few times. There was nothing left in you. There was no more strength left in you. And by this time, you were saying to your commander, listen, buddy. You didn't say buddy. (laughs) Sir, if I may... Um, we're all tired here. And of course, you would get back the answer, does the enemy rest? Yeah. See, when we enter in a struggle, we're not only alone, but it's usually at a time when we're tired. So we're going to be keeping our eyes open to what is happening around us. A lot of times, we are completely fatigued. And it will be physically And spiritually drained, that is when the enemy is like, you're perfect for me. Your mind is perfect for me to mold in the way that I can mold. And for you to believe the lies, you know what the first lie was that Satan said to Eve in the garden I'm sure they talked up a storm, and he just tired her out with the amount of talking that he did. And Eve and Adam, remember, they had the authority over all the animals, including that snake. And at any time, they could have said, shut up, be quiet, and get out of our sight. But they never did. Said, Talk more, talk more. Let me hear what you have to say. The first lie that the snake says is, you can be like God. Let me translate that for you, meaning you are not worthy of God's presence as you are. Therefore, you need to be like God in order to communicate with him. Remember, God would come every day, every moment and experience the garden. That was God's original plan for us was to experience his presence, to be in his presence, to experience his face every moment. That's the Garden of Eden. And the, the serpent is spewing out this lie saying you can be like God. Well, what does that mean? You are unworthy as you are right now. You need to do more. You need to be more. Okay. Eat of the fruit of the knowledge of truth, of, of good and evil. So you can have more wisdom like God. And then you'll be able to communicate on the same level. You understand what's happening there? That was the first lie. You are not worthy of God's love. So we come back to Jacob. And it says, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hitch and wrenched it out of its socket. I have a story for you. I told you guys I was in the military. I didn't tell you where. If you guys remember from last time, I was in the tank corps. Any of you guys were in the tank corps? Okay. So I'm going to have to go a little bit more graphic then. Inside the tank, there's not much room to move around. We had just finished a huge operation. We were exhausted. This was a, um, uh, a war play. We did a war week where we didn't sleep for about four days. We were completely exhausted. And I got up this morning. It was about 4 a.m. in the morning. And all our job was was to get the tanks ready and move them back to the base. At the time, I was a tank commander. And I was missing a few people in the tank. I only had my, my driver and myself. So you have to run a series of tests. And usually you have about four guys. You have the commander, the driver, the loader, and the gunner. Well, I was missing my gunner and my loader, and I only had my driver. So I was running all the tests inside of the tank. And what I did was something very stupid. I sat down inside the tank. My knee was up against something inside the tank. My hip was up against something else inside the tank. And I was in a moving turret. And then I moved the turret a little bit to my right or to my left. And as I moved it, my knee pressed and pressed more and more against this other thing behind me until I heard a loud pop. And I was in so much pain. And so I screamed out in pain, uh, threw the the stick back to the other side and it and pop so i i shut down everything i told the driver to get out of the tank i tried to get out of the tank myself i got down on the floor and i couldn't put pressure on this part and for about a week i was in such intense pain apparently i had popped it out and popped it back in i don't know how i did that but when i went to the doctor he says well you're fine <laughs> thanks doc army doctors right But I understand the pain that Jacob is going through. I can say with all my heart, I understand the pain. When somebody wrenches out your hip from its socket, it is excruciating. And for those of you that have experienced it, maybe not in the military, there are those of you maybe here that have experienced that pain. It is excruciating. I will not go as far as to say it is like childbirth. I am married to a beautiful, beautiful bride. We've been married about six years, and we have two uh, amazing, beautiful children. Our, Our firstborn, his name is Yotam. He was here with us about two years ago. He was nine months old. Today, he's two years and nine months. And we had a second daughter just this year, and her name is Mayan. Yotam means the perfection, completion, and fullness of God, all three. And Mayan means a living spring, a living spring. She is really, she is really a bubbly spring. And we're so grateful to God for these beautiful gifts that he's given us. But I've, I've seen birth and I can tell you it is not anything like that, but it is extreme. It it is extreme. It is extreme. The ultimate plan of Satan is to Get us alone. Get us tired or when we're tired. And then to hurt us. Pain is not part of God's plan. Pain is not part of God's plan. The amazing thing is, is that Satan knows that God has given us a gift that he has not given to any other creature on this earth. And there's a rabbi. His name was Kli Yakal. Can you guys say Kli Yakal? Pretty good. Kli yakal. Kli means a vessel. And yakal means precious. I don't know why he named himself this or who named him precious vessel. But that was his name, precious vessel. So we'll go with it. And this rabbi wrote that the gift that God had given to Jacob and to all mankind was exactly what was taken advantage of, which is free will. God has given each one of us a choice, a choice, whether it's to choose to do good, choose to walk in his righteousness, choose to accept his grace or to choose to not accept his grace, to choose to be unworthy, to choose to be fearful. See, these are all choices. I said that the mind right here, the mind is where it all happens. If we read from Ephesians, I'm sure you guys know this very well. We'll read from Ephesians 6 verse 12. I like like using verses to back up what I'm saying so that you guys don't say, oh, I don't know what you're saying. Where do you base that off of? Well, it's right here. Ephesians 6 verse 12. And you know this one very, very well. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Our fight is not a physical one, it's not one that we can see per se. It is one that affects the physical, but it first affects our spiritual. We are fighting against spiritual principalities. We are in a constant struggle. And I think that we have to make this switch in our brain if we haven't done that already. That there is a struggle that comes and goes, but it is constantly trying to get at us. Trying to lie to us. It goes on to say, of course, to put on every piece of God's armor. You know, I believe that there are four horses that are galloping towards us and have been galloping towards us for the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And we heard them in the background, but now we're hearing them a lot closer. If you turn with me to Revelation Revelation 6. I love the book of Revelation because it's one of the books that I just can't understand. No matter how much I read it, I just, I, I just can't understand it. I can't make, make sense. But these, these verses, I had a revelation myself this past summer. And I said, wow, God, this is a message that needs to go out to the world. It needs to go out first to, to our congregation. We did a whole series on this. And here it writes in, in Revelation 6, verse 1. As I watched, the lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. Then I heard one of the four living things say with a voice like thunder, come. And I looked up and I saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow and a crown was placed on his head. And he rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. A lot of people say, okay, this is d- depicting Christ. This is depicting the Messiah. But notice here that the rider is not at all depicted. He is only handed and given authority. He's given a crown and he is given a bow and arrow. Never once see our Messiah, Yeshua, with a bow and arrow. You will see him always with a sword, either a flaming sword. Or you will see him with a sword coming out of his mouth, a two-edged sword. It says the word of God is like a two-edged sword. But here you do not see that. There is a faceless rider here that appears like truth, but is not. See, this rider, I believe, is depicting false doctrine in our world. And we have seen this spirit come and infiltrate our systems, our schools, our families, our thoughts, and our minds. And it hurts, and, it, and my soul cries out to God. God, have mercy on us that we have accepted this as truth. We have accepted this as truth. And the ultimate lie is we are not good enough. We are not good enough. That's the lie that has infiltrated our media. You're not good enough. You need more of something. Our advertisements, you're not good enough. You need more of. Oh, that's so true. You are perfect the way you are. The only thought that is not perfect is the one that tells you that you are not good enough of God's love. Our father in heaven is our father. He's not waiting to beat us down. He's not waiting to see if you do good. He already wants you as you are, as you come right now. So that's the first rider that comes out. And that rider is coming very fast. It is galloping at us. And we can hear those hooves. We can hear those hooves. I want to talk about the second rider. The lamb opened the second seal. Notice who's opening the second seal. Just confirmation of what I said before. It's the lamb of God. Yeshua, the Messiah, he's opening the second seal and he heard the second being say, come. And another horse appeared. Yet this one is a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. How much have we seen this in division? How much have our minds, our minds been divided against itself? How many people can't make up their minds today? More than ever. But this division didn't just start with COVID, or at the elections, or with anything before. This has been coming and coming and coming, and we, as the congregation, the kihila, the big church, we've seen this coming, and yet we've stood by and we've said, you know what? Well, it'll get better. I'm afraid to tell you guys this, but it's not going to get better. These horses are galloping. And you can't stop a galloping horse. At least not by yourself. Don't even try. You'll just get trampled. We've seen this take peace from the earth. We've seen wars, rumors of wars. We've seen people that have turned against fathers, against their sons, sons against their fathers. We've seen war and slaughter. And it's only going to get worse. Verse five, the lamb broke the surge seal and I heard the living being say, come. And I looked up and I saw a black horse and its rider was holding a pair of scales in its hand. And I heard a voice from among the four living things, a loaf of wheat, a bread, three loaves of barley, a cost of a day's pace. Don't waste the olive oil and the wine. Lack. How many of us before all the shortages That are being talked about today. Before all the toilet paper needs. You guys remember that. How much before that was there such a spirit of. Well I might need this for later. So I can't be generous with it. See that's not God. God is love. God is generous. He gave his only begotten son. He wasn't like well I think I might need my son for later. When it gets real bad. No, he gave his only begotten son that all of us may be saved. How many of us have been with this spirit of holding on to things of, well, there might be lack there. there, there, there we might not have enough for me or I need more. I need more. I need that or covetousness where we see something. And we're like, I, I need that. I, you know what? I really want to get that. I, that. That's what I need. Fourth rider, the fourth horse, sorry. I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death and its companion was the grave. These two were given the authority over one fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, famine, disease, and wild animals. And we have seen this more than ever. More death and disease, but also more than ever, more spiritual death people giving themselves over because of that one truth. I'm not good enough. So I give up. I give up. But these are all spirits that were given authority. But they were given authority for a time, a place. But they were not given authority over your minds. They were not given authority. Over your souls. And no matter what happens. To our bodies. They were not given authority. Over our souls. And over our minds. I want to go back to. I want to go back to Genesis. I want to go back to Genesis again. Go back to our. Struggle that was going on here. Jacob is here. He's struggling with this guy and he says. I will not let you go. Remember, the man says, let me go for dawn is breaking. What does that mean? The light is coming. It's going to be revealed to you what your struggle is. And I want to say to you today, the dawn is coming. The light is coming in your life. I don't know whose life that is today, but that dawn is coming. That dawn is coming and it will reveal to you what you're struggling with. Guess what? God has overcome. Yeshua has won the victory. Jesus Christ reigns forever. And so the dawn is breaking. But Jacob says to him, Jacob says to him, I will not let you go A lot of times we hold on to a struggle. We're holding on alone and tired to this struggle, whatever it may be. And God says, you you need to just let it go. That dawn is coming. I have already conquered whatever it is you are struggling with right now. I am to you whatever you need. You've lost something or someone. I am the lifter of your head. You need to go to green pastures. You need to drink of living water. I am the living water. I am the bread of life. And he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So many times in our life, we give God a either or. We, we, we said, you know, it's a little bit hard for me to step out in faith. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to take my struggle with me. And I'll only let go when I see that you're doing something in my life. Well, guess what? God did something in your life when he sent Jesus Christ to die for your sins, to die for all those misconceptions, those misbeliefs, to wipe it away. And he's right now, even right now, doing that in your life. And he has already blessed you. You are blessed. That is a lie from Satan when we say, well, you know what? I need to be blessed Guess what? You are blessed. As you are. God loves you. Is that not blessing enough? I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asks. He replies, Jacob. You will no longer be called Jacob, the man told him, From now on you will be called Yisrael. You will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have become victorious and have won wow, amen. you fought with God fought with men and have come out victorious remember who walks away wounded from this it's Jacob not the man not this angel and he says Jacob says to him please tell me your name and the guy very mysteriously says well why do you want to know my name and then he blesses Jacob there. What does Jacob do? We talked about markers when we took communion. I love that. Because Jacob does a marker right here. He calls the place. He changes the name of the place. Not only was his name changed, but now he's named this place. And he calls the name of the place Piniel, which in your Bibles, if you read it, it means the face of God. That is the translation, believe me. I've read the Hebrew, Piniel, which means the face of God. And he says, For I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. And the sun was rising as Jacob left Piniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. The Bible never mentions something that is not needed to be mentioned. Notice that as he's walking away with his limp, He has his battle wound. He is injured physically, but he has changed spiritually. You see, the important thing out of this whole encounter was what was happening in the heart, not on this outside part. That's why I say it doesn't matter how you come. It does not matter how you come. It matters how you come right here and what's what's happening here. And notice the Bible quotes the name of the place. It doesn't say he left a place that was once called. No, it was changed at that time. My, my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, the faith of God. I told you guys, the sun, this dawn is coming. The sun is rising. That is our hope. In our lives. That that is coming very soon. You know. Yeshua knew. That we would be facing. Days like this. And he said to Peter. At a very interesting moment. They're out. Near Mount Hermon At a place called Caesarea Philippi. The most wicked place. In the world. At the time. Where people were buying God's. For every single ailment or struggle that they had in their life. And at this place, the other name of this place was um, the place of Pan. You know the Pan flute. I remember that there's in Greek culture there's the, the, the ugly god where he's half man, half goat, and he hides among the bushes. And he tries to whistle with his pan flute in order to attract others. Very, very wicked God. It's at this place and where they worship all these gods that Yeshua turns to his disciples and says, all right, guys, tell me, who am I? And so they're scratching their heads and they're like, well, some say that you're, you know, you're this, you're a great teacher. Some say you're like Elijah. And all of a sudden, the spirit of God falls on Peter because I know that this was a revelation that did not come from man. And Peter turns to Yeshua and says to him, you are Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Messiah that has come to save us. And what does Yeshua turn to him and say? I praise God today because it was not No flesh, nothing revealed to this other than the Spirit of God revealed this to you today, Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church, my key love. Remember, I told you guys, I I love it that we call each other family. God knew this from the beginning of time. When he said, let there be light. He knew from the beginning that we would need the light of the world. He knew that we would need the light of the world. And so he sent his son Yeshua, the light of the world. And his son Yeshua said to Peter, You, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Well, a few months later, what are they doing? They're all up in the upper room. They're worshiping God. They're praying together. And a few days had passed. A few, like 50 days had passed by. And they're still up there. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God, for the first time and only time, in human history, comes down upon their heads, and you can actually see the Spirit of God. Flames upon their head. What a powerful moment. Some people ask, well, what what moment did you want to go back in history? That would be an awesome one to be in, right? That would be awesome. All of a sudden, to experience the power of God, the ground shaking, and seeing the Spirit physically on each person's head, they start prophesying. They start Uh, talking in different tongues and languages, yet everybody understood them. And Peter comes out with the first message. Remember what Yeshua said to Peter, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter comes out and gives the first message to the church, a powerful message of salvation, a simple message of salvation. How many come to faith? 3,000 men come to faith. Men, how many families? 3,000. Multiply that times at least three or four. You get the first church was about 12,000 people. The first church was, was 12,000 people. Guess what? Within two weeks, that church had grown to fifty and 60,000 people. When you may add up the numbers, God is not... A god of breaking promises. He is a god of faithfulness. He is a god of keeping his word, and what he says will come true. What did the disciples do immediately after that? It says in Acts four, in Acts two forty-two. You can turn with me. I'm just about. I'm just about to finish. Acts two forty-two. All the believers devoted themselves to four things. Okay, The community of the believers devoted themselves to four things. How many horses did I mention? Very good. The believers devoted themselves to four things. And I want you to pay attention. One, to the apostles' teaching, Acts uh, 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What was the apostles' teaching? It was truth. If we're going to break the first horse, it's going to be the truth of God. Where is the truth of God found? In his word. Get yourselves a Bible, because that's the only truth that is going to break the principalities of untruth, of misinformation in this world, of confusion in this world. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What was that? The truth that Yeshua had taught for the past three years before that. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is just like it, as equal. Love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor is not just the person that you like being with. It's not just the people that are in this family. So all of them out there, all the people that are confused and hurting and broken, we are to love them because there's a third, third commandment that Yeshua gives us in Matthew. At the end of Matthew, he goes up to heaven. Just before he says goodbye, he says, listen, I'm with you to the end of days. Guess when that is? That's now. I'm with you even into the end of days. Go and make disciples. And then he goes, so we're supposed to love God, love others. I say love others because neighbor becomes a little bit too friendly, right? Love others and make disciples. That was it. Those were the truths that they devoted themselves to. Second thing that they devoted themselves and to the fellowship and sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper. I added including the Lord's Supper because I believe that every day they broke bread, but they remembered what Jesus did for them. We, we, when we enter a struggle, it's so easy to forget what Jesus did. And we want blessing. We want now. We want, instead of saying, God, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. And when we're fellowshipping together, there is such a glorious feeling. I don't know how many more days do we have to, that we can fellowship together here. But I want to encourage you guys that fellowship is wherever two or more. Jesus didn't say wherever 200 or more are gathered in my name. Wherever two or more are gathered in my name. There I am in their midst. You need to just knock on your neighbor's door. Knock on this family's door. Knock on the other's door. Say, hey, man, I want to fellowship with you. How's life going? How can I pray for you? How can I love on you? And the fourth thing that they devoted themselves to was prayer. Prayer breaks off Everything, all lies that are in our, our lives. When we say, God, you know what? It's your will. I'm struggling with this. God loves it when we come to him and say, Daddy, Father, I'm struggling with this. Yes, he knows everything, but he loves it when we come to him with a humble heart and we say, God, I am struggling with this. I am struggling with this. Notice that those four things, they break off each one of the horses the, 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 the apostles' teaching will break off the false doctrine. The fellowship. The fellowship is going to break off that second horse of division. Sharing of meals and the Lord's Supper. When we pray the Lord's Supper, we proclaim life over death. We'll break off that, the, the horse of death. And to prayer. Prayer is all we need. And so any lack in our life, the horse of lack... That spirit of lack is fulfilled with prayer. Is fulfilled with prayer. Amen. I have a couple more verses I have to read because I love them so much. They encourage us to keep up the good struggle. In 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 through 8, it says, I have fought the good fight, I have struggled the good fight, I have won the race. I have won the race. I'm going to read that together with you guys because it's such a beautiful verse. I, I just love it. Uh, come on, you, you love the Bible with me, right? So that's in 2 Timothy uh, 4, verses 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful, and now. The prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his approaching. Amen. That is what we are waiting for. That is our expectation. And anybody who tries to tell you, you know what? There's no prize waiting. There is a prize waiting for you guys. There's a prize waiting for me, and I'm rejoicing for that day. And let 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 me give you a picture of what that day would look like because it gets me so excited. Revelation 22, verses three and five. Remember, John is on the, on, the, on the island of Patmos. He's having all these visions, and now he gets to see what we haven't got to see yet, what we will see, and he writes it down. Let's go to Revelation 22, verses uh, three. And it says here, no longer, okay, no longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God. The lamb will be there. His servants will worship him. His servants will worship him and they will what? They will see his face. What did Jacob call the place that he was at when he wrestled? The face of God. That will be our reward Brothers and sisters, we're going to get to see God's face. This struggle is, is not for nothing. And anything that tries to convince you of that otherwise, we will see his face. And his name will be written on our foreheads. God will call each of us by our name. He will call each of us by name. It will be written across our foreheads. Such a beautiful day. But I just want to give you a, even more of a little bit of a glimpse. And with that, I'll close. In Revelation 21, and I know that you, you, some of you know this verse. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Verse one. New heaven and a new earth. An old heaven and the old earth disappeared. The sea was also gone. John is being taken up into the holies of holies. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And a loud shout from the throne saying, look. God's throne is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. What is awaiting us? God is going to be with us. It's not just going to be the spirit of God. We are physically going to be with him. See his face. He will write his name upon our our foreheads. He will wipe every tear. Verse four, every tear from their eyes. We have cried many tears. I have cried many tears. He will wipe all those tears from our eyes. There will be no more death, amen, or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, and I believe this is for some of us here today. Look, I am making everything new. And he said to this, said this to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Remember, it all started with a lie. God ends it with the truth. Let's pray. Let's all stand up and and pray together. And with every head bowed at this moment, with every head bowed at this moment, we come before God. And I, again, I don't know what the struggles are that each one of you are going through. I am not God, but God knows that struggle. And maybe you've been denying him to be involved and be in your life at this time. Maybe you've crossed back over that river with a lack of faith or, or just saying, you know what, God, I need to do this alone. And he's saying, my child, my child, don't do this alone. I am your father Let's walk through this together. I have overcome. Yes. Father God, we come before you at this time. First, we ask you, Father, for forgiveness, for cutting you out of our life, for cutting you out of all those different moments when we needed you most, we rejected you because we felt we were not worthy. Forgive us, Lord, for for those feelings that we've made a lie truth in our lives. Father God, we proclaim your truth that we are worthy through your blood, through Yeshua the Messiah. We are worthy and we want you in our lives. We want your presence. Help us and remind us of those struggles that we're going through or that we went through, Father. Remind us for your testimony and for your glory, God. And Father God, and we just lift ourselves up to you. And we give to you our struggles. We give to you our struggles. And anybody in the house today that just has a struggle, just give it to God. Just lift it up to God. Thank you, Father, for taking in our struggles. You have taken our load. You have taken our struggles. Whether it's loss, you are our comforter. And we proclaim you as our comforter. We proclaim you as the lifter of our head. Whether it's addictions, Father God, we proclaim you as our great healer. And the filler of our cup. Father God, whether it's a struggle right now with with fear. Father God, you are our great warrior. You are our shield around us. And you are love. And perfect love casts out all fear. Father God, we give you these struggles. And instead we accept and proclaim in our life. You as King of Kings, Lord of Lords in our life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for life in you, and through you, that nothing we do is on our own, that we don't get any glory whatsoever. May you get all the glory and all the honor. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen.